0: Chapter 16 and Revelation chapter 20. Ooh, Revelation! (laughs) You never know what you're gonna get from the Book of Revelation. Mark chapter 16 and Revelation chapter 20. We've been on this study series that is a prophetic word from God, a teaching from God, direction from the Lord for our church specifically called the Unstoppable Spirit-Filled Church. Jesus said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell." will not prevail against it. I will build my church. Jesus is in the church building business. He wants churches to grow spiritually. Somebody say amen. Amen. And he wants churches to grow numerically. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe there's a lie of the devil going around that tries to exploit the vulnerability that we have to pride into getting us to think that Jesus is not Passionate about numerically growing his church. Jesus is passionate about that. And yes, we are vulnerable, all of us, to any pride. Anytime we win somebody to the Lord or do anything, our pride could get in there and try to take some amount of credit. And of course, we should subdue that and reject that and repent for that whenever that happens. But what we shouldn't do is allow the enemy to put fear on us that we may walk in pride and then not be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about and that is winning every person possible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Say amen to that. This is important that we establish this so that we reject the lie of the devil that when any anybody brings up reaching more people that we say oh they're just into numbers. No those are people and when you count people then that becomes numbers. But it's not about the numbers, it's about the people. And we count people because people count. Isn't that right? And the Bible counted the people because we want to know. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that message, 3,000 people were added to the church. You think we're going to tell the author, Luke, Luke, you shouldn't say how many. Don't worry about how many. It doesn't matter how many. People are important, but not numbers. Well, no, he's inspired of the Holy Spirit to write that. Amen. Amen. And it goes on and on and on through the book of Acts, explaining how many people would come to the Lord. Sometimes it would just say multitudes because there are so many, but other times it would give specific numbers. And the reason why is because people are important and we should never lose our quest to go after more people while we have the opportunity. The opportunity is coming to a close soon. Let me say it a different way. Jesus is coming soon. And this is our shot. This is our shot to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. Now, I want to talk today about embracing spiritual reality. This is part of what makes the Spirit-filled church or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ unstoppable. Is the the Spirit-filled church embraces spiritual reality. And I want to begin here in Mark chapter 16. And let's read through Mark's version of... The Great Commission, Mark chapter 16, I'd like to start at verse 15 and just read through the end of the chapter. As you know, Matthew also captures this, as well as the first part of the book of Acts and the end of the Gospel of Luke. They capture this in different parts, but let's read this version here from Mark chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 15 to 20 from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James, that's all right. There are a lot of good versions. But just for the sake of us reading aloud together, follow along on the screens just so we can all read the same words. Everybody nice and loudly. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20, reading loudly and together. Let's read. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover so then after the lord had spoken to them He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, let me point out something here in verse 20. So after Jesus gave them the great commission, the Bible says, and they went out and preached everywhere. Now, did they come to to Anaheim, California and preach? Did they go to Placentia? Did they go to Fullerton? Did they go to Michigan? Did they go to Seal Beach? No. Well, I thought the Bible said they preached everywhere. We have to understand that the people in the Bible are talking the way we talk today. Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. You understand? Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. Of course, they didn't preach it where they didn't go. But they went and preached everywhere they were. Everywhere they went, this is what the Bible is saying. This is what the Lord has said to us, the rock. Take rock groups everywhere. Well, that doesn't mean on you know, in every single house, every single apartment building. Well, we'd love to have that. But we're saying everywhere we go, we're gonna bring these things. Just like the Bible. So they went out and preached everywhere. Now notice these words: the Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. What is what is the Lord doing? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't that right? He's building his church. So when we go out to share the gospel, when we go out to start churches, house churches called rock groups, when we go out to minister with, he goes with us to build it. Sometimes the enemy attacks our minds and says, you know what? It won't work for you. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to come. Oh yeah, they are. If the Lord directs us to do it, sure they are. Why? Because He works with us. Amen? The Lord working with them. Look again. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So what they were teaching, the Lord was confirming it with signs. With healings. With power. God was doing it. See, the enemy's got us in fear, and so that's why so many people don't go do anything because they don't realize Jesus is going to go with you. (laughs) Amen. And guess what Jesus said? I will build my church. And so if if the Lord's working with you on that church, that little rock group, that mini church, guess what? He's going to build it. Somebody said, well, I don't know how to build it. Yeah, but he does. I said, he does. Isn't that right? See, the enemy's been putting fear on us and really it's the enemy that ought to be afraid. Jesus is going to build his church and guess where they went? And they went and preached everywhere. Everywhere. So everywhere we are, Jesus will go with us and build his church right there. Isn't that right? Jesus will go with us. I declare we're going to have rock groups preaching the word everywhere and the Lord Jesus is going with you and he's going to confirm the word with the accompanying signs. Amen. All right. Now let's look over here at verse 15 again. It says, and Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every creature, every creature. Well, how many of you know there's some creatures out there? <laughs> well, he's talking, he's talking, he's not talking about animals. He's talking about people. But he's saying every creation that God has made in terms of the human race. Everybody, every culture, everyone who speaks every language, everybody that has any skin color, doesn't matter, he's saying everybody is loved by God, created by God, made in the image of God, and Jesus has died to pay for all of their sins. God wants them all as a part of his family. So he said, make sure not to leave anybody out. Go preach the gospel. To every creature. And then it goes on in verse 16 to say, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So can you see the importance of being baptized? He threw it, Jesus. This is Jesus. This is not, you know, Peter in his interpretation of what Jesus said. This is Jesus himself speaking. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Why? Because being baptized is your first act of your faith. Now, you don't get saved because you get baptized. Water doesn't save you. Isn't that right? Otherwise, you just take a shower four or five times a day. No, water doesn't save you. Water doesn't wash away your sins. But because Jesus told us to be baptized in water when we believe, then if you really believe and you're baptized in water, your action of faith shows that you really believe in your heart that Jesus saves you. And that you put your faith in him. So he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Everybody say saved. Saved. But notice this. But he who does not believe. Notice it doesn't say he is not baptized. It says, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So notice Jesus is clear that it's the faith that saves you. That Through faith you're saved, not, not the baptism. Baptism is just an expression of your faith. But notice he says, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Everybody say condemned. Condemned. Because I want us to be clear on what he means by condemned. He who does not believe will be condemned. Condemned. Now, listen to John 3, 16. You know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now this uses some different language here. Jesus said in Mark 16 that whoever believes will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Here, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. So in place of condemned, he says perish. In place of saved, he says everlasting life. So what does that mean exactly? What does that mean to perish? What does that mean to be condemned? What does that mean to be saved? What does that mean to have everlasting life? Well, many people don't know this, but whether you know Jesus or whether you don't, you're going to live forever. So when you say everlasting life, God doesn't call going to hell, everlasting life, because that's no life at all. That's no life at all. When you're saved and you go to heaven and you're with God forever and ever, being blessed by God and having the privilege to be in His presence with Him as an honored guest, as part of His family, boy, that's life. That's life. But the other side of this thing, even though you'll live forever, everybody will, Not your physical body, but the other part of you, your soul and your spirit will live forever and ever. But the question is, where? And what will your everlasting life be like? So, Revelation 20 is where I'd ask you to turn. And I want to look at verse 10. And this this shows God's anger toward the devil who deceived Eve and has deceived the whole world. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Now listen to this. And they, that's the devil, the beast, it's the Antichrist, and the false prophet, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever they will be tormented day and night forever and ever they will be tormented day and night forever and ever in other words there will be no break in the tormenting and there will be no end to it there'll be no break and no end they will be tormented day and night round the clock forever and ever now now how long is forever Okay, so if forever is forever, then why does he say, and ever? One reason, just so you don't miss it. Just so you don't miss it. Forever and ever. In other words, it will never end. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, because of their deception of God's creation, the human race, which he loves will be tormented in the lake of fire forever and ever day and night. All right. Now look at verse five, excuse me, 14. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. Won't it be nice to get rid of death? I'm I'm about done with death. Aren't you people dying? Now we know we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. when, when it's somebody who knows the Lord, but still, Amen. But still, I don't like it. Do you? I don't like it. And God doesn't like it either. Death is named as an enemy of God. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Hades was that holding place in hell where people were before. They're cast in the lake of fire. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Everybody say second death. In other words, people die once physically... But after that, when the great white throne judgment happens, and they're judged, and if their names are not found in the book of life, then they get the second death. And this is what it says here. Notice, let me continue to read. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, what happens in the lake of fire? We just read it. They're tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Let me ask you a question. Is this real? Is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen to people you work with? Who don't know the Lord? Is this really going to happen to people that live on your street? Or in your apartment building? Is this really going to happen to people that sell you your groceries? Isn't that right? Is it really going to happen? Listen, one of the reasons the unstoppable church is unstoppable it, this is because we live with a reality of what's going to happen and we're not in denial. So you have to live in denial to ignore what's going to happen to these people that we interface with. And the enemy loves for us, to just act like what's going on right now in the world is the way it's always going to be. But it's not. It's not. Isn't that right? It's not going to be like that forever. And every one of us have a humanness about us that, that don't want to make people uncomfortable. We don't want to inconvenience people. And we really don't want to look dumb. We don't want people to think we're some kind of a you know, religious nut or a Jesus freak or something like that. And so we have this reluctancy to want to share or do something that would help them to come into reality of something they can't see physically. You can't prove it scientifically. It takes faith. But how did you get in? Somebody shared with you. Isn't that right? Somebody got over their reluctance. Somebody got over their uncomfortable feeling to share the gospel with you, whether it was your parent or another relative or a friend or somebody, or they handed you a card and you came over to this church or another church or something. Nonetheless, somebody stepped out of their comfort zone so that you could be saved. Jesus stepped way out of his comfort zone so we could be saved. Isn't that right? And so... The Unstoppable Spirit-Filled Church is unstoppable partially because we embrace spiritual reality. And we reject the idea that what's going on in this world right now is the way that it's always going to be. And so we live and interface with people with the reality that if we don't tell them about the Lord, then they are on their way to going to the lake of fire and be tormented day and night forever and ever. Isn't that true? People we know. People we know. I remember some years ago, I saw a Christian film that was put out. Some of you may have seen it, but it showed how uh, people had been judged and sent to hell, and somehow they were able to look at the Christians that they knew and yell out in tears why didn't you tell me why didn't you tell me you knew why didn't you tell me you know that's a that's a reality i don't know if that scenario will happen just like that but it is a reality that they're going to remember you and it is a reality that you'll remember them sometimes people you know they ask questions you know in the afterlife will we know each other how we ask those questions? You know, will we know each other in the half life? No, we're just going to be like smoky blobs, you know. (laughs) You you don't think we're going to get dumber when we go to heaven, do you? (laughs) No, we're going to know each other. We're going to know each other. You remember in Luke chapter 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I mean, that rich man was in torments in Hades. He wasn't even in the lake of fire yet. But he was already tormented in a flame in Hades. We just read here Hades is going to be cast in the lake of fire too. Lake of fire is the big one. But everybody's being held in Hades right now until the the judgment of God. Well, the rich man said, hey, send Lazarus. He knew who Lazarus was. He knew him from his life. And then he even said this, hey... Uh, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers so they don't have to come here. See, he wanted to go. He remembered his brothers. And he didn't want his brothers to come there. He had love for his brothers being in Hades in torment. He had love for his brothers. See, you're still going to have your capacities. You're still going to have your memory. You're still going to have feelings and heart like you do. Why? Because you're the same person. The only thing you don't have is your physical body. You're going to be the same person. See, believers that believe the Word of God, and especially those of us that are filled with the Holy Spirit inside and have insight, embrace a spiritual reality that says, I cannot live as if these things are not true and not share with people, even though I'm uncomfortable, I'm insecure, I'm shy, I'm timid, I'm busy, I don't like these people. Amen. <laughs> You'd never say you want them to go to hell, but some of us have told them to. <laughs> I'm not saying you really meant it literally. I'm just saying we have. <laughs> but we should be telling them, go to heaven. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's what we ought to be telling them hey, folks, these things are real. And, and I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. I'm telling you that I, as a human being, as I go over these scriptures, I feel the same way. I feel like, oh, my goodness. Man, how many people I've come into contact with and haven't told. And it wasn't that. I; It was always that I didn't think about it. Sometimes I did think about it. But, oh, you know, uh, I'm busy, or they look busy, or they look like they're in a hurry, or whatever whatever and I'm not saying every single person you ever talk to that you have to stop them because Paul didn't do that and Jesus didn't do that I'm not saying that either but what I am saying is I think you would agree with me that a whole lot more people would know about Jesus if we would be led by the Holy Spirit and share with those that were prompted to share with We've been learning in t for t training, training for trainers about the power of writing down our story, how we, before we met Jesus, how we met Jesus and life since we met Jesus, just a quick something that we could share in one to two minutes, how powerful it is just to share your story. And the Holy Spirit gets in there and people re, you know, that which is most personal is also most general. In other words, when it gets right down to where you live and you share your story, that relates to more people because it's not just some abstract concept. It's right down to the human level of how Jesus changed a human being. And that's why it relates to a lot of people. Your story. And the neat thing about your story is no one can refute it and say, no, that didn't happen to you. (laughs) Well they don't know. So you're just telling your story. So powerful. So powerful. And so anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, was cast in the lake of fire. So that rich man in Luke chapter 16 that found himself in Hades, man, he is aware that his brothers, he doesn't want them to come here. He's aware that he's in torments. He's once you die, spiritual reality is going to become crystal clear. But we shouldn't be unclear about it now because God explains it to us in detail. Isn't that right? He explains it to us in detail. Boy, it's quiet today. (laughs) Why not? If you're anything like me, I've been raised in church and whenever you talk about these things, the first thing I'm thinking about, I'm not thinking about sharing with anybody else. I'm just thinking, I don't wanna go. And I'm sitting there thinking, "Man, I got to make sure my stuff is together. That I'm I'm living right and that I'm walking with Jesus. I'm having faith and being walking in salvation." Well, amen. That is number 1. But we also need to get past that. Not that we don't always want to keep a check on ourselves, but we need to get past that to where we can share with other people. Somebody say amen to this. Amen. And would you agree it's it can be uncomfortable? at times. Would you agree with that? It can be uncomfortable. But do we still need to do it? Come on, answer me out loud. Do we still need to do it? We do. We do. And this is what the Lord is doing among us right now. Even though, you know, we've been a church now for 12 and a half or more years, almost 13 years, we've been open as a church. That doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't need to come and just give us basic teaching that is difficult for most all human beings to swallow and to walk in. But it's so important. Now I want you to listen to Ezekiel 3.18. If you didn't think those other verses were the most encouraging verses, you're definitely not going to think this one is. (laughs) Ezekiel 3.18. God says, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Well, that's a heavy verse, isn't it? Let me read it again. God says, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And we just read what's going to happen with anyone not found written in the book of life. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you give him no warning, no warning. You didn't say anything to him. Nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To save his life. Why would you do that? To save his life. Isn't that what it says? Why would you tell him? Why would you want to say it? To save his life. He said, when you give no warning, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. In other words, just because you didn't tell him doesn't mean it's not going to happen. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. In other words, when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he meant that. He didn't mean, you know, if you get around to it, you know, I know you got a lot of hobbies. I know you got busy schedule. I know you're in pursuit of some things. You got your own life. And so if you have time, if you get around to it, or if you ever see an opportunity that you fall into, and you can't get out of it, and somebody even asks you about it, then go ahead and share. No, he said, you proactively go share the gospel to every creature. And so it's so important that we understand that we have been told by the Lord, in fact, commanded to go preach the gospel to this world. It's not just for a few people that have the gift of evangelism which by the way is not in the Bible well I don't have the gift of evangelism well I'm not called to be an evangelist well that doesn't matter whether you're called to be an evangelist or not you're part of the body of Christ and therefore the Great Commission applies to you as well as anybody else go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature you know what I love is we're learning through this T for T training The power of sharing our story, our testimony with people. And it gives you the opportunity to share the gospel in your story. So it's not like you're just coming up, you know, opening the Bible and preaching at them with some scriptures. You're coming and you're preaching the gospel by telling your story to them. But this is so important. This is so important. You know, I I can't imagine it, but I will bet you the devil would have some people want to leave our church because they don't like the fact that we're talking about what we really ought to do you know just go somewhere more comfortable where you know they don't you don't have to actually do the Bible you know isn't that right hey I just want to come hear it don't, don't try to make me do anything well nobody's making you do anything we all make our own choices but Jesus taught us come here and do it And so we need to do this. How many of you, as uncomfortable as it is, and as much as you just prefer, this was not even in the Bible, you accept the fact that it is in the Bible and are committed with the help of the Holy Spirit to be a doer of this word. Raise your hand up. Keep your hand up right now. Keep your hand up right now. Let's pray. Say, Lord, help me to do this. I don't want to miss it. I don't want people to miss heaven. But you know me. (laughs) So I ask you to help me, Lord. Not to let people go to hell unnecessarily. Give me confidence. Give me boldness. Give me wisdom. Help me to get into a pattern of this. To make it a lifestyle. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen to Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. Paul said, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on the things of the earth for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then Romans eight, five says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. In other words, those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. The enemy, one of his tricks with believers is to get us to focus on natural things like what's happening in our life, what's happening in our schedule, I got responsibilities, I got I to clean my house, wash the clothes, get the dishes done, I got to get, get my car taken care of, I got to go to work. You know, the, the list of things to do goes on and on and on and that's a reality. There's nothing wrong with that, that's, that's part of life. But what the enemy wants us to do is to think that all of that stuff that we do here is more important or even as important as spiritual things as spiritual things but notice this says listen if you're a believer and you were born into Jesus we should set our mind on things above where Christ is we should set our mind on spiritual things not on the things of the earth why is that Because if we set our minds on spiritual things, then it brings everything into focus and reality about what is important and what's not all that important at all. There are a lot of things we spend our time doing that are really not eternally important. Isn't that true? A lot of them. And we say, well, if I had time, I would do something important, not realizing that we have time. But we're spending that time on some things that really aren't necessary things. This is not a condemning message, but this is an enlightening message. This is just getting down to Bible basics about being a Christian. Bible basics about being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we come and we talk to the Lord about these things individually. And we say, Lord, I I wanna do it the right way. And I realize I haven't been, but I wanna do it. Can you imagine if every one of us in here we're agents of the Lord Jesus and, and allowed him to work with us and partner with us to share the gospel. Can you imagine how fast we could win people to the Lord? That's what He's calling us to. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, don't you? Yes. And guess what? I'm just as much responsible to share with people as anybody in here. Sometimes pastors, they can get into a bubble. You know, everybody they talk to is already a believer. You get into a bubble and, you know, I can work my schedule to where I don't even interface with unbelievers. Well, that's not the will of God, is it? <laughs> that's not the will of God. I need to be able to share with unbelievers and win them to the Lord just like anybody else. And when I do, then my life becomes an example to everybody. Amen. Amen. So just just so you know, I'm on the hook with this as much as anybody else. And the Word of God and the Holy Spirit's working on Pastor Jerry just as much as anybody else. But I'm determined I'm not going to let this go with my own life. I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to push myself and push myself. Why? Not only is it pleasing to the Lord, but people's lives are on the line. God help us if we put convenience, our own convenience, above people's eternities. God help us if we do that. Now, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 13. He said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned or reseasoned? In other words, if you've lost your flavor, if you've lost that something about your life that can flavor other people and change their flavor, then how are you going to be reseasoned? How are you going to be reflavored? If you've lost your ability to change other people in this world that were not salty before, how are you going to get that back? Now let me just tell you, you can get it back. But notice what Jesus says if you've lost your salt, if you've lost your flavor. That kind of salt is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Why? Because there's no need sprinkling on your food. It's still going to taste just as bland. And there's no need for God to put you out there in your neighborhood if your neighborhood's not going to be salted at all. You know, salt in ancient times was used for two purposes, flavoring and preservation. And our job here on this earth is to change the flavor of the world from a wicked flavor to a righteous flavor and to preserve it from decadence, to pre- preserve it from decaying, to preserve it from eternal damnation. So when we vote, somebody say, well, let everybody do what they want to do. Listen, when Sodom and Gomorrah did what they wanted to do, what happened? They were destroyed. We're here to say, wait, 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 wait. I know that makes sense to some people's minds just to let everybody do their own thing. But we know something they don't know. And that is that God's still the judge and he's going to judge wickedness. And so we want to hold wickedness back and hold it down so that we're not destroyed. Somebody say amen to this. See, we're talking about Bible logic now. That's a Bible logic is reality. And it doesn't jive with the world's logic that just, it seems right to say, well, everybody gets, you know, it's their life. They get to choose and they do get to choose. But we're here to also choose how things ought to be. And our job is not to back off and say, it really doesn't matter, everybody can do their own thing. It does matter. It does matter because nations, cities, geographical locations that give themselves over to perversity, they end up being destroyed. It does matter. And we're put in those regions by the Lord to preserve it, to keep it from being destroyed. Somebody say amen to this. You are the salt of the earth. Now he goes on to say, in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So in other words, he's saying, you're not only the salt of the earth, but you're the light of the world. But there's no point in being a light, you know, a lamp out there, and then you cover it up with a pot so nobody can see it. Well, no, I have the light in here in my little, you know, bubble, but I don't need anybody to, you know, see it. I don't, I don't want to uh, uh, offend them or do anything. But look, he's saying, there's no point in having a light there if nobody can see. The reason why the light is there is so that people that are in darkness can see. Amen. So Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he didn't just keep his mouth shut and say, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, impose my beliefs on everybody. His beliefs are the only accurate beliefs. It's the only reality. And so he's not imposing, he's helping people to realize what's going to happen at the end if they don't come to grips with reality. Somebody say amen. And this is why we're in the earth. We're in the earth with the light of God's word to be able to share with people what reality is. Are they all going to believe us? No, but they're the knuckleheads, not us. Amen. They're the ignorant ones, not us. Amen. We're, We're right about what we're saying and believing because of God and he's the one that told us he's the creator, he started the whole thing, and he's gonna end the the whole thing. He's the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and end, isn't that right? The author and the finisher. And so, when we come with the light of God's word, it doesn't matter if the whole world voted that we were wrong. They're wrong, they're wrong. And we're right. And so that's why we have to realize We're part of the majority, even if it's just you and God, you're part of the majority. Because God makes the rules and he's going to enforce them. And so that's why we're not going out to condemn the world, but we are going out to share the reality and the truth of the light that we've received about what's going to happen at the end of the age. And we want to give people an opportunity. Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you, people are going to come to the Lord more quickly than we've ever seen before. Why? Because the Lord's teaching us and talking us through these things, even though our flesh doesn't like it, down in our spirit, we want to be right with God. Isn't that right? We want to help people down in our spirit. It's just our mind and our flesh that's uncomfortable. Well, we just need to tell our mind and flesh, shut up. Stop being such a big baby. <laughs> well, what if I did something? You know, I said something, lost my job. Well, what if you did? What if you did? Didn't he say he'll supply all of your need according to his riches and glory? And didn't Jesus say, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness? You're going to be blessed. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) See, we got to have faith in God. amen. Amen. All right. Now, I remember years ago, in fact, right about the time we were starting this church, Kimberly and I, we were looking for where we needed to live here in Orange County because we didn't live in Orange County. And we ended up staying at her uh, family's house in Cyprus. And we were there, I don't remember how many weeks or a few months that we were there. But while we were there, we really didn't interface with the neighbors or anything. We're just, you know, we're on the move constantly. And so we'd be in and out, in and out, in and out. And we waved to the neighbors and such. But I remember one day, all of a sudden, there was this big stir going on and lots of people came over to the neighbor, next door neighbor's house and such, and come to find out that a young man that lived there, I believe he was in his late 20s, uh, an electrician was electrocuted. And that's why everybody was there. He died. He, he got electrocuted on the job and he died. And boy, that just really hit me. But here we are right next door with the gospel, with the good news. You know, getting electrocuted and dying is not so bad when you have Jesus in your heart. Isn't that right? In fact, let me just say it this way. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. But getting electrocuted... Without Jesus in your heart, there aren't words to describe how big of a deal that is. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want anybody else to die around me. That didn't have the opportunity. I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I don't know. But the fact that I didn't know was what bothered me. I didn't know. Really didn't know them at all. We're just in and out. And I'm not saying for sure that the Lord strapped it on me and said, you know, you're responsible or something. Because I never ha- even had a conversation with this man. But the, the fact that he's right next door. And we've been in and out, in and out, you know, Weeks. And I just don't want my heart to get calloused or to be calloused into rejecting the thoughts that come when I say, you know, you ought to just stop and say, hello, you ought to build a little relationship there and look for the opportunity to share. Why? Because they're people. That's why. Because they're people and they're part of every creature. They're part of every creature. Everybody, Jesus wants everybody to know. He wants everybody to know. This T for T that the Lord has exposed us to is from what I've read and understand the fastest growing church planted movement in the world. T for T. Training for trained nurses. Because it's not just training people. It's training trainers. In other words, everybody we train, we're training to be a trainer of someone who will be a trainer, of someone who will be a trainer, of someone who will be a trainer, trainer and on and on. It's training for trainers. In other words, we're going to put more confidence in the Holy Spirit and His ability to help a young believer to be able to just take simple scriptures from the Bible and lead people to the Lord then the western mindset that says oh you got to be theologically educated and you got to have some kind of doctrinal education and or degree to really be able to do that no no you don't in fact you remember about peter and john when they arrested them they said they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men but they could tell that they'd been with jesus isn't that right They were uneducated and untrained men. These are people that were, eventually the Bible says, these people, along with Paul, turned the world upside down. Filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. Uneducated and untrained people. And so there's a dependency on the Holy Spirit and on the truth of God's Word that's working through these young believers just to share simple scriptures and simple truths with other people. And it's amazing how powerful the gospel is. So we're not putting our confidence in education, in articulateness, in charisma, in experience. We're putting our confidence in the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit touching the hearts of people that hear the Word of God. Can anybody say amen to this? And that's why this is so powerful. Those of you that have been a part of Either one of our first two trainings, this is the last opportunity today to get in on this. Those, those of you that have not, that's all right. We're going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to teach it again. And I'll have you in next time. This is so important that we get trained on just the basic life of being a believer and sharing. And not only that, but so many of you, you never realize it, you're going to be either leading or participating in leading a rock group, a little mini church, and people are going to come to the Lord, come to faith. And guess what? Those people in that group are going to be trained to train others. And they'll, they'll be starting rock groups too, many of them. Somebody say amen to this. Amen. I know this is kind of bold. Somebody said, man, this is kind of, yeah, it's way out there, isn't it? Kind of like the Bible. <laughs> isn't that funny? We read these things all the time in the Bible. But for it to happen in modern day, it was like, wow, that's like, wow, we're really out there. Like, like real Christians. Wow. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's the way I want to be, don't you? And I love what it said, the Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. The Lord's going to work with us. He's going to work with us. Now. Here's the way, let me just break this down for you with this T for T. You're training someone else to train someone else. Anyone who trains people using the T for T system can, at the end of those six lessons of T for T, start a rock group. And in fact, just say, hey, come back next week again. And we're just gonna go right into a regular weekly time of studying the Bible, simple Bible study, we'll tell you all about that and how that works. And then t for t those six lessons that you originally teach will train people to lead the rock group and to continue in their own personal growth. It'll, it, just those six lessons, they're, just, they're very simple, but they're very comprehensive in that it gives you the basics of what you need to do To start a rock group and to continue to train people and to continue to lead those people and help disciple them. Very simple. Very simple. So now, just to be clear, listen. People don't have to come back here to go through some additional training to be certified to start a rock group. Why? Because somebody out there trained them with these six lessons and they started a rock group. We don't even know who they are. We lost control. (laughs) My uh, professor, John Amstutz, who studies discipleship and church planting movements all around the world. He said, this is what happens in a move of God. You have have to lose control and let, let the Holy Spirit do his work to help the church. Let the Bible and the Holy Spirit. So what we're doing is we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, we're providing the lessons. We're providing OSL as an opportunity. We're providing uh, the systems and the how-tos. But we're trusting people that'll be changed by the Lord and the Holy Spirit to carry out the work of the Lord. And so we'll find out about these rock crews because the training also show them how to report. So they'll begin to report every week about how their rock group's going, who's becoming a believer and, uh, and all of that. This is exciting to me. Anybody excited about that? We're going to have rock groups all over the place. In businesses, apartment complexes, at schools. I mean, they're going to be all over the place. Training people to win people to the Lord and to train them To win people to the Lord and to train them to win people to the Lord. Amen. Go preach the gospel to every creature. To every creature. Well, let me just remind you in closing what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. In other words, you know, when we start doing this the way God wants us to, we shouldn't get all prideful about it. This is just basic. I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I've been trusted with the stewardship. In other words, I'll be rewarded if I do it willingly. But if I do it reluctantly, like, oh, I have to do it, so I'll do it. Well, then you just have a stewardship. Verse 18. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. Everybody say without charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew. Notice Paul changed himself first. I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who were under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, not being without the law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak that I might win the week I have become all things to all men that by all means one translation says that by all possible means I might save some that I might by all means save some verse 23 now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partake it partaker of it with you. In other words Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he's saying I'm doing this but I'm doing this because I want to partake of this ministry with you. In other words we're all called to do this. I've become all things to all men. So in other words you get down and relate. You know, Relate to the soccer moms. Relate to the soccer dads. Relate to coaches. Relate to teachers. Relate to colleagues. Adjust how you approach different people to relate to them. Why? That by all possible means, we might save some. We might save some. But notice Paul said that I may present the gospel without charge. Let me tell you something the Lord has stirred my heart about. The Lord has stirred my heart to begin developing and redesigning OSL to simplify it even more. So that we can offer discipleship without charge everywhere. The online approach that we've been working on, we're adjusting how we're working on that so that it's not so cost prohibitive to where we have to charge so that people can just get on the website and begin to go through and be changed by the Word of God. And not only that, in our rock groups, we can interface and use that to help us disciple people through the web. We can also have, you know, some thumb drives or whatever, but I, here's what I believe. I believe that we're going to be able to disciple people without charge. We may not be able to give them all of the, you know, four color processing, printing, and all of that, but that none of that is what does it. We're going to be able to give them what they need to disciple them. How many of you say amen to this without charge? Without charge, praise God. Praise God. And let me tell you what I believe. I believe the Lord's going to put it on people's hearts that are a part of this to say, you know what, man, I need to be involved in this. You know, there's some people in our congregation along with other congregations that they come, but they've never gotten into beginning to tithe and beginning to give because they don't realize, man, this goes toward people's lives. But we're going to, we're going to begin now taking this step of faith. It's going to take us a little while to process it. We're going to begin now taking this step of faith. To where we're going to get to a place where we don't charge for discipleship. And I believe it's going to all be taken care of by the people of God who are saying by all possible means, we're going to save people. We're going to disciple them with the gospel. We're going to present the gospel to them free of charge. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for that. Praise God. Praise God.